Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me talking Michigan, Notre Dame, the Wolverines, a lot of different storylines. And, and at the request of a couple of listeners, instead of we're going to try to shorten that over-unders. We love, we love doing the over-unders. It, it, it's a nice, easy way to, to get a sense of the matchup. But at the same time, you guys come here not to listen to our over-under predictions because we're like batting about 600 but more so for our analysis. Of course, we are both writers at the Michigan Insider on 247sports.com, so you can reach us and read our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. So lots of storylines this week. I picked out four main questions, and I'll have a story maybe digging in a little bit more of the stats and some of the stuff tomorrow. But four main questions uh, Michigan must answer, really, to win, but also to, to kind of get a sense for where the team is at, what what are some of the key things to look at in this matchup. So we got one offense, one defense, and then two team issues. Let's start with the offense. And Steve, this is I'm borrowing this from my colleague Michael Spath over at, at the radio show. But is Michigan's offense, based on what you saw against Penn State and what we know, is Michigan's offense going to be better, worse, or the same against Notre Dame? And so while you come up with your answer, I'll preface a couple couple key components here. One we discussed uh, on Sunday or on Monday that Michigan's offense did seem to do a little bit better uh, against Penn State. You know, they actually averaged decent yards per carry. 3.5 won't win you a lot of games, but in all but two now of Michigan's losses, they were under three. And then, of course, Shea Patterson probably had his best game of the season uh, if you if you factor in opponents. And then the offensive line. I mean, Etor Gross-Matos, Shaka Tony. Micah Parsons, Robert Windsor. I mean, these are guys who get sacks on sacks. They led the nation in sacks. They were held to one. So in a lot of ways, the offense did pretty well. And and if you take away the fact that it's at home, or if you include the fact that it's at home, and maybe the receivers can work on some of the drops that they had, getting themselves in position, and the fact that it's still, I know this isn't a crutch that Michigan fans want to hear, it still is a new offense. They are still getting better. So, you know, Steve, I, I think there's there's a lot to like about Notre Dame's defense. Khalid Kareem, um, uh, Julian Aquara, you know, the secondary is pretty good even even after losing a couple players last year. They're top 30-ish in just about every pass defense category. Run defense isn't quite as good. Maybe that's not Michigan's strength, though. That said, I, I think Michigan's offense will actually do better in this game. I'm not, you know, we'll, we'll do score predictions at the end. But I think the offense, I think there's actually something to how Patterson played and and how how the offensive line played. And if you have better offensive line and quarterback play, your offense almost always is going to do better than it did the previous week. Yeah, your last line kind <clears> of <throat> took what I was going to say. I thought Michigan's offensive line played really well on Saturday. And that's something they could, they could build off of going forward. I don't know what the yards per carry were like in a half-by-half half comparison but Michigan just looked more crisp running the football in the second half against Penn State. I want to say, I think somebody this was mentioned on our board, I'm not going to steal the thunder, but S&P had Penn State's defense as considerably better than Notre Dame's. Again, I expect Notre Dame to have some success against Michigan defensively. It's not as if I'm expecting Michigan to dominate in that aspect. But, uh, you know, given, again, that it's at home, I think, you know, I think the second half of Saturday's game – 
I mean, if that's not something that they can build off of, then then there's not going to be anything they're going to be able to build off of the rest of the season. I mean, that was the most encouraging performance we've seen from them offensively and from Shea Patterson all season. So, you know, really it'll come down to the receivers minimizing the drops and I think a continued progression up front from the offensive line. You know, Charbonnet looked really good too, I thought. It didn't get talked about a lot. He looked really comfortable. You know, not that he hasn't looked good all year, but he, he looked maybe even a little more comfortable than he has the last few weeks. So, yeah, I mean, again, if, if you can't build off of the performance in the second half, then I, I don't know when they're going to. So I think they will, though. I think I think you'll see much. They'll be closer to what we saw in the second half Saturday than what we may be, may be seen, obviously, against Wisconsin, maybe early on against Penn State. Yeah. Uh, a couple of stat corrections. First half, second half, run, run yards per carry was about the same for Michigan, actually. Uh, but it's still, as I as I noted, a lot of times when they play good defenses, they really aren't getting anything on the ground. That's been a, a huge issue point for them. And then uh, SP Plus, yeah, they have Penn State as the number 12 defense nationally. They have Notre Dame as number 35. So still still a challenge. I don't think it. I don't think it's a, an irrelevant defense, right? But it, but it's it, so far this season when we're more than halfway through the year. So some of these stats you can take to heart. They have performed worse than Penn State and worse than Iowa and worse than Wisconsin. So uh, second question here, looking at the defense, how concerning are the big plays that Michigan's defense allowed last week? And so we talked about it on uh, on Monday. More than half of Penn State's yards came on four plays. But the bottom line is Penn State still scored 28 points. And and I'm going to let you weigh in a little bit with some of your thoughts while I pull up some of these names. Notre Dame, you know, they don't have any Heisman contenders on offense. But between Ian Book, Chase Claypool, Chris Fink, a pretty solid offensive line who's going to let those longer developing routes go. I mean, they've, they've got a quarterback who can make the throws and receivers who can get open. I look at Clay's... Chase Claypool is kind of a a finished product, Nico Collins, that they know how to find downfield. You know, very similar, huge body. Chris Fink, you know, he had a, he had a pretty good catch against against Michigan last year. Uh, very speedy, shifty guy coming out of the slot. And then they against USC, I think you saw um, what's his name, Lindsey. He had the true freshman. He had a sixty yard. Uh, reverse. He looks a lot like KJ Hamler. He's got that super speed ability. Do they after a bye week? Do they find a way to get him involved? Jafar Armstrong coming back from injury. They've got enough big play threats. So Steve, I, I guess how concerned if you're a Michigan fan should should you be about this defense, which overall, beat. I mean they had way more wins than than Penn State's offense did. But it's kind of like boxing. If you get a bunch of the punches, that's fine. But if Mr. T comes in with the with the haymaker and knocks you out, well, then you're knocked out. So I guess how concerned should Michigan fans be about this defense and the and the big play struggles that they had in State College? Uh, Semi concerned. I think. I mean, it's. I think. At the, I guess. Like, do we have to? Again, we have to call a spade a spade at some point. I mean, there's been a sort of a track record here in Michigan playing what I would say is an elite level defense, but then yielding kind of head-scratching dynamic plays 
you know, in, in, in singular instances. And Saturday, like we talked about on Monday, you know, Saturday's game illust- or like kind of highlighted some of the biggest issues that have plagued Michigan's defense under Don Brown. I mean, you know, again, Ham- both of Hamler's touchdown catches were one-on-one against the safety. And then the, the third down quarterback run for a first down was a key play in the game. So I think there has to be some concern. You didn't mention Komet, who I actually think might be the pro- the guy that Michigan's going to have the most problem with on Saturday. Yeah. Again, true. another another problem, another highlight you could talk about is, you know, like we, we talked about on Monday, Fryermuth, a tight end on Hudson, a linebacker. I'm, you know, Kalik, Hudson, not a bad coverage guy at all. I think he's gotten a lot better at it, you know, over the last couple of years. But I, I don't see how you can put him one-on-one against a guy like Komet and expect to find, you know, consistent success, same as it would have been with Fryermuth. So it'd be more interesting to me to see what Michigan maybe does schematically more than it is maybe the play out of some individual players, you know. So, but yeah, I think you have to be somewhat, it has to be in the back of your mind at the very least, knowing all the, knowing full well that Michigan is capable of, having an, an elite game defensively, especially at home, but knowing that, yeah, I mean, they're, they've been prone to, I call them schematic hiccups at this point. Cause again, you can't, you can't look at what happened on Saturday and blame Metellus or blame Hawkins or blame Hudson necessarily. So interested to see how Michigan attacks it uh, schematically. And again, I think the other thing too, and I think this is a lot of, you know, Brown's defense is, is very highly, reliant on getting pressure on the quarterback and I think Michigan's defensive line has played better and better as the season's gone on so you know if 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 they can do that which again every defense is predicated on getting to the passer but again I think you put those guys in one-on-one situations it puts a ton of pressure on your front four or five however many they bring uh you know to to get there as quickly as possible so yeah obviously there's got to be some concern I mean we've just seen it the track record has kind of developed over time against what I would say are high quality teams, you know, and letting up big plays. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's a pretty big concern. Um, it's yes, I guess you never know, but I think what you noted where Michigan, I think Michigan's defensive line as good as it has been. I think it could struggle on, on Saturday, you know, Liam Eikenberg, Robert Hainsey or, they're not quite Alark Jackson, Tristan Wirfs, although they're not that far off, and Alark Jackson was hurt. And Notre Dame has a little bit better, you know, with Tommy Kramer. Um, Jarrett Patterson's maybe the one guy who is a question mark inside on the offensive line. And they've got four returning starters, and I think three of them are a, seem to be NFL-bound, and they do that every every few years. They've got a the, another top 50 NFL draft pick from, from the O-line, and so... Without that pressure, can can Michigan's secondary hang with with some of these pass catchers or playmaking threats? I think mostly they can. Like I, I feel like Lavert Hill could keep Chase Claypool relatively in check. You know, Ambry Thomas could take care of the second receiver. But yeah, as you noted, well, and I'll I'll note this. I think Notre Dame's got to be licking their chops a little bit, thinking about what the, what Lindsey and Fink can do out of the slot if they can get on a safety. They're not quite KJ Hamler speed, but they're not. I mean, they're fast and they're quick, and they can get open. And you mentioned Komet. I don't know. 
I don't know how you guard him, really. I mean, you know, obviously you can you can so, sort of cover him, but he is. Uh, I think the name that gets thrown a lot a lot is Tyler Eifert. Really, he just looks really second week in a row. Michigan is facing a tight end who pretty much is unanimously expected to be an NFL tight end down the road, and and I think Komet is a little bit more refined than Fryermuth is, I and would, a little bit more explosive. I so I think Komet might be the he could you know he could argue he's the best tight end in the country. He's up there for sure. I I've heard that. Yeah, I don't watch enough of the rest of the country, but yeah, I have heard he's going to end up being on that Mackey final three or whatever. And so so yeah, <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out. I mean, you you wonder if Michigan is a little bit better equipped to defend tight ends because they actually have tight ends on their team and have had, you know, they've had a Mackey winner under Harbaugh. So that's, you know, we'll see. That's a big, big question. I think there's going to be some big plays. And so it really is, I think it comes down to the pressure Michigan provides. But yeah, at a, at a one through 10, I think, I think you can set, set that as a six or seven level concern. Michigan probably, probably won't be looking at this game if they lose and saying the big plays are are the main cause. Well, but then again, that's kind of the main cause at Penn State. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, I think it's a concern. Different at home. There's no KJ Hamler, but there's a lot of guys who are who are not too far behind. Uh next question. Wait, one thing real quick. I want to say one thing. Oh, I'm sure, just looking sure, at sure. Notre Dame's depth chart and I I guess I don't know if I've ever heard a coach ask this like an oppressor. I guess it'd have to be Warner, I suppose, but What's fascinating about Notre Dame is if you go up their offensive line, if you go down the list, like almost literally like in their three deep, almost every single player was a legitimate target for Michigan on the recruiting trail too. And Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder, you know, you wonder, does it give Michigan, I'm I'm guessing the, the answer would probably be no or it'd be minimal, but you wonder like, Michigan may be more familiar with these guys and what their abilities are than they would be with a team of guys that maybe they didn't recruit. I mean, Liam Eikenberg, Aaron, their Aaron Banks, Patterson, Kramer, and Hainsey were all big time Michigan targets, not just guys they recruited. I mean, they were all like top target type players. And I, I just kind of wonder like, does, does Michigan, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's just it's it's always no. I know what you're saying. Do you think it's different when they play Notre Dame? Do you Dame? think that's different than Ohio State or Penn State, though? Boy, I mean, these are you. These are almost a who's who of some of the recruits uh, up front on the offensive line that Michigan's missed on. Uh, it's not again. It's not just guys they offered. I mean, these are guys that they were. I'd have to look. I assume that Ohio State would probably be a little bit closer to Notre Dame than Penn State, but. It's just always been. It's always interesting to me. I mean, Notre Dame's always mm-hmm. fascinating to play against because I feel like Michigan and Notre Dame match up on the recruiting trail more than they Michigan matches up against them on the recruiting trail maybe more than any other program in the country. So, uh, but yeah, I could. But just looking that, at the yeah. depth chart, it's 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 almost comical like how many of these guys like Michigan was really recruiting hard. So I don't know, random. Yep. No, something to keep an eye on. I, I, I would imagine minimal, right? I mean, that's minimal. Difference. I agree. It's just it, like I said. You know, you know, if you watched enough film of the kid in high school, got to know him a little bit, maybe worked them out a couple times. You know, maybe there are a couple tells or a couple, you know, t- uh, tendencies or something that maybe you'd be able to exploit or try to exploit. I, I don't know. It's just something. To, it's something mm-hmm. kind of interesting to ask. I think one day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I bet if you really went down the list. 
I'm sure Michigan has some Notre Dame targets, and I'm sure it's not oh, yeah. just offensive line that, that are the ones that got away from from Michigan to Notre Dame. Next question, though, in, and we can keep talking about the sense of the rivalry. Do you do you believe, well, this is more of a question for you, but if I were asking Michigan, is Michigan properly motivated to win a, a tight game like this? And the reason I ask is, you know, we've we've discussed it. Second loss, more or less a playoff eliminator. Uh, you know, mostly a Big Ten eliminator. There are some weird, you know, one percent, one in one in a thousand scenarios. But for the time being, Michigan is playing for pride and for mostly nothing, you know. But but at the same time. This Michigan is a program that does define itself on how it does against its rivals. If Michigan went three and zero against Michigan, Notre Dame, or Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State, I think it would almost be we we mentioned on this on Monday. Michigan fans they might be wondering what could have been, but I think Michigan fans would also be unanimously like, okay, that works. You know that that's a that's a solid season. Ten wins in the regular season plus three rivalry. You know, so there is that to play for. There is also the fact that these are competitive athletes at the highest level or the second highest level um, who want to, who want to fight for their team. Steven, your experience, I know I know it's it's always hard. We never really get the the full legitimate story. I'll talk in a second about what the players and coaches had to say and what stood out to me. but I don't know, do you have any sense for how hard <laughs> that is to, to bounce back from because I think we saw last year Wisconsin when they lost that second game they really just packed it in and they had some injuries that didn't help but they really were just kind of like uh oh, no that's that's that but then you have some teams that that don't do that and and they actually can turn turn into successful seasons I don't know you have you do you have any sense for where this team is at or how difficult it would be um and do you do you do you think Michigan will be motivated enough for this game? I suspect they'll be motivated enough for this game. They're at back. They're back at home. I, I kind of think in a weird way. I think what Ronnie Bell went through may rally, maybe sort could become sort of a, a bonding slash rallying cry for the team to maybe build around and and you know just because of the way the reaction and you saw the how supportive the player, not that they weren't going to support him, but I think the, the way that Michigan went about it was, was something that I think maybe was a little tangible, something they could build off of. Um, I, I don't see why not, you know, again, I like you said, a 10 and two season with three wins over rivals is literally the best 10 and two season you could possibly have. If you're going to go 10 and two, that's the 10 and two you would want. Right. So I don't see any reason why they won't. I think the biggest thing, though, to me is is a reaction in a game like this, see how they come out and play, will maybe say more about, A, about the captains and leaders of the team and the coaching staff than even, let's say, if they had won on Saturday. You know, I think I think it's always a good indication of the type of leadership you have across the board when you see how a team comes out and plays, you know, coming right off of a tough a tough road loss that, yeah, all but eliminated your chances at the goals that you had set at the beginning of the season, right? So 
you know, depending on how they come out, well, not depending on how they come out, how they come out will, in my opinion, will at least partially be dictated by the ability of the coaches and the leaders on this team to, you know, kind of rally everybody around and, and, and go forward. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I was struck particularly by um, by Quiddy Pay. I got him before before the cameras got there, actually. So it was, I, I think this is a little bit more genuine of a quote. Because he was saying, you know, he was talking about how the team is still motivated, they're still hungry, and me being, you know, maybe this is a jerk question, maybe. I didn't mean it in a jerk way, but it it, it was kind of blunt. I was like, why? You know, why why stay motivated? Why keep fighting? And he he had a, he had a nice quote. I don't I don't actually have the word for word. That'll come in a story out tomorrow. But um, he said, we're not, you, all of our starters, all of our key players, we're not the type to roll over. And he said, "We're not the type to to not compete <laughs> against a against a good opponent against a, against a rival." And and yeah, I mean it, that's the kind of that's that's the big question. I'm not not saying that that means they will compete and won't have a drop off, but it but that's the big question: is is this team competitive or not? And as you said, I think it really will show the coaches' next five games will show their true colors because. I think the next five games is a lot of coaching. If they go out there and they, maybe they 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 struggle against Maryland on the road, or they, you know, who knows? Maybe they lose to Indiana, who is who is really a darling in the sabermetric uh, a- analytics side of football. They're they're off to five and two start. It's, you know, they've got some players, and then Michigan State, of course, at home, and and Ohio State. Who knows? <laughs> Ohio State. There might that might not be a possibility even. Uh, I just saw that they're off to their to their most dominant seven o seven and o start in school history, so we'll see. But you know whether the team has a fight and whether the team continues to push and show up, will say a lot about the coaches. So how competitive the players are, and then how how much these coaches influence the players, because I I think. Michigan's in a luxurious spot compared to, say, Wisconsin or Penn State a year ago in that they have rivalry games still. They will hear just as much about, they will hear more, you know, about the Michigan State game, win or lose, than either the Penn State or the Wisconsin game. And they will hear more about Notre Dame and Ohio State throughout the year than these other games. And so, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, no one's. I guess there is the Paul Bunyan Trophy, but like, th- no one's hanging a banner for these games. But they are like miniature title games. They're things you can put on, you know, notches on your belt. You can say, "Yep, got that one, got that one." I can so I, I, I can think, I add this real quick before I forget? I had a good thought, and I, I it goes back to what you said about we'll learn about the coaches. But I want to throw this in there. You know, you got to remember this is year five. These are all guys that Harbaugh recruited, and as long as we've been covering the team, we always hear about how everything is a competition 
you know, it'd be, whether it be, I think the one that they've joked around about was who could tie their shoes the fastest, that type <laughs> of thing. If they come out flat or they come out and it looks like they're not competing or you can't tell, then it, you, it, you have no other choice but to point at the coaching staff then because part of why they recruited a lot of the guys they did, particularly maybe the guys who weren't as highly rated necessarily, is that culture, right? And so if they fail now in a situation where if you're going to com- if you're going to fail to compete at the actual thing and reason that you're at the University of Michigan for for most guys I mean you know what I mean I, I mean that in a football sense mm-hmm. you know then I think it's it, you can't help but point the finger at the coaching staff and say this is supposed to be your culture and these are the you know what I mean like this is these are the guys You've built a culture based on competition. If they come out flat, it's going to say, yeah, it's going to say a lot about either the coach's inability to get through to these kids or, you know, I don't know, a failure on their part in not not recruiting actual competitors. I I will try to say it in a way that doesn't sound like I'm uh, disrespecting on the players at all because I'm not. Because I do expect them to come out and compete. But if they fail... You know, it just, I think it raises more question marks about the staff as a whole. I think it'd have to. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell you what, if Michigan comes out and throws a pick six or, or fumbles early, that will, that will be a, that will be the test of what this team is because I, I think we saw in some of the blowout losses when things didn't go their way. And now I think it's especially true because if they go out and Notre Dame's just like straight up better than them. How does a player not think, well, this season was a dud, <laughs> you know, mid-game? And it's, you know, they're competitors, and, I mean, I think it's, it, I feel I feel a little unfair. I'm being a little unfair toward Wisconsin and Penn State last year. They did compete. They still played football, and they still worked really hard. But there's just that extra edge, and so that's what I'm curious to see because I, I, I think Michigan is going to need it. Because the fact is they, they can win this game. And let's get to our fourth question with that. How much does being at home help Michigan? So we brought up the stat in Michigan's road losses. Uh, they've been outscored 66-6 to in the first quarter. And you can actually take that to just the the top, or whatever, the, the ranked teams, top 15 teams, whatever it is. They have been outscored 63-3. Uh, to in the first quarter. Well, at home, when they are playing ranked teams, and this is current, you know, teams ranked that, that were ranked at the time, it's a little tricky to go back and do the poll and check check it all out. They have outscored opponents 52-7 to in the first quarter at home. I mean, that is a 100-point swing. It's incredible. 105-point swing, really. So there's something, there's just something different. I don't think Michigan Stadium is particularly intimidating to other good teams, but I think it is such a comfort for Michigan as a team. And I, I you know, whether it's the the training facilities at Schembechler Hall, uh, you know, the band, the fans, the the even the lighting and the optics, just just a lot of comfort. I don't know. They they look completely different. So so to answer, I can probably answer it quickly. I think it makes a big difference. Ian Book, as good as he's been, he's he his numbers drop quite a bit. Kind of more, 
more toward, I'd say, mediocre levels against Power 5 opponents and against teams with winning records because so far this season he has 14 touchdowns and two interceptions. Incredible number. But 10 of those touchdowns and none of those picks came against New Mexico and Bowling Green, who are respectively last in passing yards allowed per game and passer rating allowed per game. He had five touchdowns a pop in those. Outside of that, his completion percentage is about 60%. I think it's like 60.4. His He's totaled only 798 yards of passing in five other games. And he has four touchdowns and two picks. So he's been... He's been relatively clean and efficient. Those are those are solid numbers. Hard, you know, hard not to think Michigan's pass defense is as good as anyone that Notre Dame's faced. USC's got some playmakers. Georgia's got a great defense. And and I do think Ian Book deserves credit for for being a net positive in that game. But all the same, it it becomes a little bit more human. And this is true for every quarterback. We saw Nate Stanley, same boat. Nate Stanley, who leads the Big Ten in passing yards. Very human against Michigan on the road. And so Book has some nice road wins in his career. I don't know if he's gone up against a team. Well, probably Georgia. Probably Georgia. So Georgia and Michigan are the only the only road environments of truly, you know, seemingly top 15 teams that he's gone up against. So yeah, I think I think being at home is a huge advantage. I think it just it just makes Michigan more comfortable from the get go. Because if you think about that sixty six to six stat or sixty three to three, whichever one you want to side with, that almost is a credit to Michigan for how well they settled in later on in the game. That they could be behind by like almost ten points per quarter in the first quarter and, and come back and sometimes they lost by more, but a lot of times they lost by a possession or so. So Steve, what do you think? What do you what do you feel about the about the home field advantage? We've we've talked about this quite a bit actually about how maybe maybe it's it's a pep talk thing, maybe it's a you know, the atmosphere just makes you more comfortable at home, which makes sense. But it, these are these are some pretty staggering splits and it almost it almost makes you want to pick Michigan to win just based on that. So what do you think, Steve? I mean, the stats are the stats, right? Uh, it, it, that's it it's <clears throat> And and their road woes is really the only. Again, they I, what, ironically, I think we talked about this going the other way last week. They are zero and two at home against Michigan State and zero and two against Ohio State. But that was it. Is it that they have not lost to? Are they undefeated at home under Harbaugh against any other program? Is that not correct? Yeah, they're 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 twenty seven and zero against I mean, everyone that is, else. That's crazy. Uh, so. You have to say it's an advantage. I mean, if, if that's not an advantage that Michigan has, then I don't know if Michigan has any advantages in this game, meaning it's definitely an advantage. So, you know, that's it's it's really that simple. Again, yeah, the the logistics behind it, I don't think we'd ever get a straight answer on it because they're not going to tell – nobody's going to admit, even with statistics like that staring them in the face, are they going to say that their approach or that they're – you know, that anything's any different on the road. But – yeah, hundred point swing, like you said. I, I really, I think your statistics kind of bear it out. I mean, this is a big opportunity for them, you know, to to come back home after I mean, they've been on the road two weeks in a row, which I feel like isn't. Is there, maybe this is the one time a year that teams do that? I feel like most teams, it's it's almost rare to see two road games in a row uh, nowadays with the way the schedules are set up. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, to get them at home, massive. 
massive advantage. And yeah, I agree. I was also that did not realize how, I think those are pretty mediocre numbers to be honest with you, Zach, with, for book outside of those two games. I mean that four to a four and two yeah. intercept touchdown interception ratio is, you know, and they had do, they did, they have some guys that can play. I mean, we got done talking about Komet might be the best tight end in the country. Claypool, I think is a really, really good player. They've been a little banged up at receiver, but you know, you would expect better numbers from a team that could have beaten Georgia, and if, and if so, would probably be undefeated. Would, would be undefeated and would be a top five team in the country. So, mm-hmm. interesting. Definitely an advantage, though. Yep. Yep. All right, let's do some over unders. Knock them out. Try to do a little bit more of a lightning round with this than we've been doing in the past. Uh, so first on offense, thirty and a half passing attempts for Shea Patterson. He had forty one last week. Obviously, being down twenty one, nothing was a big part of that. I'm going to say under between the weather, between the fact that Notre Dame's run defense is a lot worse than Penn State's run defense, and between the fact that I don't expect Michigan to be down 21 nothing. I think he still throws more than average or more than what he typically does, but I think it's a little bit less than, I, I think it's 30, more in like the 27 to 29, 30 range than above that. Under. I was going to use the weather as my logic too, so I'm going to say the under. All right, forty-two and a half point five. Or sorry, forty-two and a half rushing yards for Michigan's second leading rusher. So this is the Haskins, Wilson, Patterson. Oh, I, I gotta say yeah. under. I, you know, nothing, nothing against Haskins. I just, I he's only done it once, right? So under. I'm gonna say under. under. As well, that's a tough. That's a you know, Notre Dame's defense. I think respectable enough to kind of play the odds and go under on that one for sure. Next one, thirteen and a half. Targets for Nico Collins and Ronnie Bell. They had 17 last week. We just mentioned they might pass a little bit less. I really think those two. I that's clearly Shea is more comfortable throwing to those two than anyone else, specifically Ronnie Bell. And I do. I gotta think Michigan. They love to do those kind of things. I'm sure they're gonna try to try to get Ronnie Bell a uh, <laughs> a couple gimmies early. You know, get that crowd get back into things. I mean, it's. It's uh, they they like to do stuff like that. Plus, I think the drops from Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples Jones last week. Granted, I think Bell had a drop too, of course, but I I think it's those two. I I think they get fourteen or more targets. Your your thoughts? Oh boy, um, I'll I'll go under. I think they still try to spread the ball around a little bit. I think I think I look at it from the other way is I think you got to get one of those other two guys keep them afloat and involved heavily for down the road still for Michigan State, hmm. Ohio State. You know, not saying that not passing them the ball a ton on Saturday would dictate how that goes down the road, but I just think that getting one of those two guys going would really help Michigan's offense. I think maybe Peoples Jones a guy get him a few more touches than normal, try to get him, you know, back on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. All right, 59 and a half combined receiving yards by all Michigan tight ends. Over. Okay, I will say... I will say under. Don't have a great reason. Just not sure about McCune's status. Not sure how many times All's going to get the ball, and not sure if Eubanks can get 60 yards. All right, three and a half completed passes of 
25 yards or more? Uh, under. Yeah, I'm thinking under. Notre Dame's defense, its strength is the pass defense. They they also are pretty good at minimizing plays of 30 yards or more. I don't have a good staff for 25 yards or more. And at the same time, Michigan does seem to get a couple, almost the opposite of the defense, even if they struggle. The offense is always good for a couple big plays. I'll say I'll say over. We can we can differ on a couple of these. Five and a half combined points scored by Michigan on first two offensive drives. I'll say I, over. I'll refer to that fifty-two to seven stat. I agree. I'm going over as well. Okay, on the defense, four and a half sacks and tackles for loss combined for Aiden Hutchinson, Quiddy Pay, Jordan Glasgow. Oh, well, with the tackles for loss counting, it's a little bit more enticing. I'm going to say I'm going to say under Notre Dame really doesn't allow a lot of pressure, a lot of a lot of ta- tackles in the backfield. Um no, I don't I don't I wouldn't put their offensive lineup against Wisconsin's just yet, but probably a slight step above Penn State. I think they know about Michigan's defensive line. I think they're going to try to avoid some of those disruptive plays because in Michigan Stadium that'll make a that'll make a big difference too. So I will say I will say under for those three particular players. I'll go over. I think Michigan's front. I think they come. I think they come to play on Saturday. I think at least one of those okay. two DNs has a huge game on Saturday. Gotcha. Sixteen and a half tackles for Khalid Hudson and Cameron Grown. Just total tackles combined between the two of them. I'll say over. I think McGrone keeps getting better, and I think Kalik is averaging almost. I think he's averaging like eight or nine tackles per game. So I'll I'll say over. I agree. Three and a half combined pass breakups by Lavert Hill, Ambry Thomas, and Vincent Gray. I do think Notre Dame will pass a lot. I think they're going to try to avoid those guys, though. You know, they'll they'll throw a few to Clay to Claypool, but are they going to put one of those three on Fink or Lindsey or some or, or Komet? I don't think so. So I'll say under. Uh, that's a tough one. I, I'm just going to keep going. I think the weather is just becoming is going to start to become a theme here. I'm going to go under as well. I just don't know how much the ball is going to get thrown on either side of the ball right now. Good thing it won't rain in the press box. Yeah, uh, okay, two, 249.5 yards passing by Ian Book. Under. Yeah, I'm thinking under. He's only averaging about, what What would I say, 155 against Power 5 teams this year, uh, plus the weather. There we go. There's, a, there's another reference. Yep. Uh, it's 69.5 receiving yards for Chase Claypool. I'm going to look up what he's averaging, but what do you think? It's funny because my instinct is to say over because I just feel like every time I think of a huge Notre Dame receiver, I think of Michael Floyd having like 26 receptions against Michigan like 12 years ago and them just feeding him the ball. But I don't think – I don't feel the same way in this one, I suppose. I, I think I'll go under. I was like, he had like 18 catches or something. I remember that game. It was like crazy how many catches he had in that game. Uh, Claypool, by the way, averages 65.6 yards per game. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm 
too high on Michigan's cornerbacks. I, I think I think he still has a nice game. I just I don't know. Well, uh, no, I, I I think under. I think I think they're much more comfortable. I mean, we saw Penn State; they had one completed pass to outside receivers. Everything else was to Hamler, the running backs, or the tight ends. So I think teams are teams are realizing where they can maybe get some completed passes. Uh, last one: Michigan is wins the turnover margin. Yes or no? I'm gonna go with yes. Okay. I think they do. I just not really. I mean, I just I think that they will. I think the defense, like I said, they're gonna. I think they're gonna play. I think Michigan's defense comes to play on Saturday, and that would be one area where it makes a difference. Well, I was hoping to pull up the turnover margin stats. Oh well, uh, I'll say, I'll say no. That they don't win the turnover margin very much. Yeah, um, they're, they're not a. True. It's a good good counter. Yeah, they're not a team that forces a lot of turnovers, and they are a team that has struggled with turnovers. Could could go in any direction, though. Finally, uh, maybe maybe a couple other sentences about the game, what you think is going to happen, and your score prediction. Steve? I, I Again, I think maybe I'm being an optimist here, but I do. I think Michigan builds off of that second half. I mean, it really, again, we looked at what the last two and a half quarters last Saturday and say that Michigan didn't just outplay Penn state. I think you'd argue they significantly outplayed them for 95% of that stretch. The problem was they dug themselves in too big a hole. I, I think they build off of that, particularly offensively, particularly up front. And uh, again, being at home where they've been lights out under Harbaugh outside of a couple of hiccups. I, I think they, uh, I think they get it done. I think Notre Dame's solid this year. Watch them against, you know, SC had a real legit chance to win that game, and I, I just I don't think mm-hmm. SC's that good. Uh, their win against Virginia doesn't look that great anymore either. And really, honestly, the the loss against Georgia looks okay. It looks, I mean, it's took a hit. Yeah, I mean, right? that's still a, that's yeah. still a tough place to win a football game, but I guess South Carolina did it. So, um, not trying to again, Notre Dame, for, very formidable opponent. I just feel like Michigan is due to win in a big in a big game here. Uh, I'm going to go with Michigan 27 to 20. I think they win by a touchdown. Okay. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat uh which I I didn't expect to be I think I think I had Michigan beating Notre Dame early in the season, but I, I just I don't think Notre Dame is last year's Notre Dame. I don't know if the def- if it's defensive attrition, maybe regression to the mean for some of the offensive players. As you as you noted, USC almost went to South Bend and won. And that's that's a big game for them. That's not some some fluke. I know Notre Dame had the bye week to get healthy and to work on some things, and and I'm sure they have a as prepared of a game plan as anyone has had against Michigan. But uh, yeah, I think Michigan. I, I I go off what I know, and I know Michigan outplayed Penn State in a lot of ways at State College, and I know that Michigan is a different beast at home. If they could play all their games at Michigan Stadium, they might have a couple Big Ten titles already. Uh, <laughs> I'd say that kind of, kind of poking poking fun a little bit, but yeah, they are they are a different kind of team at home, and so I'm gonna say Michigan wins. I think it's gonna be ugly though. I don't think it's gonna. I think both teams are not quite up to their potential just yet, and I think it kind of shows on Saturday. I've got Michigan 23. Notre Dame, 20. Uh, 
We'll see. We'll see what happens. But for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. We got tons of tons and tons of content uh, previewing this game and, and other going-ons with the football team. And then basketball and recruiting are, are, are poking in there here and there as well. Uh, so be sure to check it all out at michigan.247sports.com and themichiganinsider.com. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you with our next episode after the game.